it'll be a good discussion because it 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 for me you know the background the background part yeah you know you're talking about oh, oh i was eating that up I, I, I was eating that up. i was thinking of you and, and there's so many our people just love that that's why yeah. i'm like all right this sermon is going to be more of an academic one but give me our, the history our give people love history, it yeah. so i said here we go because because what all right let's let's start off all right, right. <laughs> all right. This is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. With me today is the the founder and CEO of Go Tell on the Mountain Ministries <laughs> International. <laughs> His name is Matt White. <laughs> oh, man, I don't even know how to respond to that, man. <laughs> you actually left me speechless. It's your international ministry that you have uh, across uh, 30 countries. And uh, all you do is go into the villages and drop one gallon of water, and then you walk away. <laughs> That's your whole ministry. I don't know how to. Yeah. I don't know how to. I, I'm trying to think of something ridiculous, but yeah, that's not you know, me. That's you, not me. You, you you would definitely take that water and then spread the gospel Absolutely. if that was the case. So Absolutely. yeah, all right. Actually, he is the pastor of Bellcroft Bible Church. His name is Matt White. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Always a joy to be with you, my friend, and blessing to serve together absolutely and uh today the topic is a is one that is uh is not controversial at all uh nope not at all i don't think we've ever done anything controversial nah, we are podcast. completely uncontroversial as yeah. a matter of fact we go with the culture whatever the culture says Uh-oh, for us to out. do we do it yeah. someone's going to take that sound bite and take it and say <laughs> see this is this is why you shouldn't listen to that podcast, <laughs> right? So here in context, because uh, context is king, um, yeah. I want to start off with uh, some lyrics that I saw, Uh-oh. Uh, or, or, or a song that I heard uh, the other day. And the reason why I even want to start off with these is because I think that you, uh, Matt, will find these lyrics. Is it a John Denver song? John Denver? Yeah. First of all, uh, Matt, do you think I listened to John Denver? Well, you know, I mean, being that he's the one that sang Take Me Home, Take Country me. Roads. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know he sang that. There so. you go, sorry. Yeah, that's not a part of my culture. Yeah, there you go. It's <laughs> yeah. all about my culture. Right, yeah, that's that's your culture all day that's long. That's our theme song. Yeah, so here here is the here are the lyrics to it, and I'm going to explain this in a way that most of my because most of my most of the listeners that i would imagine um they probably don't or won't know about this okay but it is a the reason why i'm even bringing it up is because as you all can see the title of this podcast is jesus in the culture Mm -hmm. so i'm going to read this and then we're going to get into our into our uh discussion okay so here it is um If you feel insignificant, you better think again. Mm-hmm. Better wake up because you're a part of something way bigger. Mm-hmm. Now, so far, what does it sound like? Uh, it just sounds like pop psychology to me. Okay. Yeah. So, also, you know what? The first thing I thought of, what? this could definitely be a Jesus culture song. Oh, there you go. Or like Bethel music. This yeah. could Elevation. definitely be it. Yeah. Elevation. Yep. Um, you're a part which is, of which is pretty much pop psychology. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, and the, all the pastors of those churches give uh, what, what I would call Christian TED talks. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, not just a speck in the universe, not just some words in a Bible verse. You are the living word. Ah, uh, you're part of something way bigger, bigger than you, bigger than we, bigger than the picture they framed us to see. But now we see it and it ain't no secret. Is this a Christian song? I mean, is this labeled as a Christian song? What, I mean, do, you, I what do you think? Well, it's not a Christian song from my perspective. But do you think it could be labeled as a Christian song? In today's standards, it's probably the top one of the top ten, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never heard it, thankfully. Yeah, you yeah. don't. You, you don't want to hear it. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> but it's. I did. I I listened to this song as a part of research, and the reason why I was researching it is because of what I have been seeing in the culture. Mm-hmm. So last year, uh, Kanye. Mm-hmm. West came out with the album called Jesus is King. Mm-hmm. And in that album, it was very much, it was criticized and it was praised yeah. all in the same breath because yeah. there is, there was definitely some, there was definitely some things in there that I said, okay, that is actually not horrible. Mm-hmm. That is something that I can see. I can definitely see that Kanye West has taken a turn mm-hmm. away from what he was saying before. He's taking a turn just like Todd White taking yeah. a turn, but um, <laughs> not necessarily like, I can't say that necessarily Kanye West is like completely Christian. Yeah. And I think that honestly, his whole situation was handled way uh, completely wrong. Yeah. He should have been taken aside, discipled, you know, taken to the desert in, in Saudi Arabia for three years. We did. We did, we did. We did. We did. a podcast on that about a year ago. We did about a year ago. Yeah. And said time will tell. Yeah. Time will tell. And time told us. Yes, it did. Yeah. You know, so, um, so then, uh, what happened is a uh, like last week, um, literally around the same time that he came out with this album, another album came out. Now notice the name of Kanye's album is Jesus is King. Mm-hmm. The name of this album is Black is King. Oh, and wow. this is by Beyonce. Oh, I've heard I heard about it. I didn't listen to it, but yeah. So for the people that haven't, please don't watch this. It's a movie. It's it's. I'm not even gonna say where it is. Please don't watch this movie. Yeah. And here's why: there are some there are some things in there that I wouldn't say that are sexually explicit, but I will definitely say that they are very demonic. Yeah. And it's a lot of symbols in there that I know of because of you know my my dabbling into and, and the knowing of like a lot of those things because yep. you know, and I'll, and I'll say this publicly, uh, you talk about Masons. Like yep. I wanted to be a Mason. Yep. I wanted to be a part of a, a Greek fraternity. So there yep. were some things that I did as far as research was concerned. And that's why I'm not a part of any of those, uh, uh organizations. Yep. So a lot of symbols in there, but the biggest thing that I saw was there was a huge biblical theme in this entire video. So it starts off with actually a basket coming down the river, mm-hmm. just like Moses. Mm-hmm. And then this kid was, uh, this this boy literally came, it's like a shooting star and hit the earth. Mm-hmm. And then once the shooting star hit the earth, this boy starts to grow. And then he starts to be involved in the wrong crowd. And the this song actually was the very first song that's talking about you are part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. And what struck me is that many, many times in that, and like what the 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 uh, the narration that was going on, the narration is so subtle. Mm-hmm. It's so subtle, but it's so loud to me because they were literally talking about like you know this is you are bigger. Excuse me, you are bigger than than what it is that you know you think you are. Mm-hmm. Basically, painting the picture, uh, not that the people, not that people 
uh, are a part of something big. It's literally that your blackness mm-hmm. is a part of something big. Mm-hmm. And as I started to listen to it and uh, analyzing, you know, what they were saying, I'm like, I don't see any white people at all. Mm-hmm. Like this, and there were, but there were three, four. They they went to the house, and there were three white people. Three white people dressed in Adidas sweatsuits, standing on the side like servants, and then a butler. Mm-hmm. And it's like, huh. I get it now. Mm-hmm. They are literally exalting, idolatrizing mm-hmm. their blackness mm-hmm. to mean like this is exactly. And, and this hit me so hard when I was talking, we were talking uh, uh, to uh, to uh, Lawson from mm-hmm. uh, Belcro. I'm, I do it all the time. By uh, Baltimore Bible Church. He was talking about idolatry, you know, your blackness being idolatry. And yep. then Seymour, same thing. Yep. Your blackness is idolatry. So the reason why I even bring up Jesus being in the culture is because there are definitely ways that song Mm -hmm. can be interpreted as a Christian song. That would go on the Christian charts Mm -hmm. and it will probably be a pretty, you know, good song. The issue is that, like, as you said, it's not a Christian song. No. And here's, here's, I think here. It's actually anti-Christian. How so? Yeah. Just, just a little bit of the few of the lyrics that you read um, in many ways contradict truth, right? Mm-hmm. They, they contradict truth very specifically and very clearly in a high view of man, mm-hmm. right? And uh, where the Bible has a very humble, low view of man and uh, their exalting man versus exalting Christ, mm-hmm. right? They're exalting the reality that, as a matter of fact, if, uh, I can't remember, thankfully, uh, to quote it, but there, w- one of the last lines you, you said was essentially that the, that the person, whoever is being emulated in the song, is essentially God, right? You said, it said, not just some words in a Bible verse, you, you are the, are are the, the living, living word. word. Yeah, I mean, that's blasphemous, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and totally um, uh, damning. Um, in the sense of to the individual understanding who they really are, right? Because the gospel at the end of the day begins with an understanding that you're lost, mm-hmm. with an understanding that you're condemned, with an understanding that you're enslaved to sin, and there's only one way to be freed, and that's through the sovereign grace and mercy of God through your repentant uh, faith. And uh, a song like that will never lead you to God, it will always push you away from God Mm -hmm. to yourself, Mm -hmm. which is where you want to be anyway, Mm -hmm. so your heart will naturally gravitate to it. So if uh, uh, the song is not only is it not Christian, it's Mm anti-Christian because it's it's, uh, ungodly, unbiblical, and it's anti-God. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, which is honestly, that's the way most modern songs that are labeled Christian today are. It's just, it's man-centered theology, perverse theology that demeans God and uh, elevates man, denies Christ and elevates man. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's the exaltation of man. So, uh, yeah, exaltation of man. Now, are there situations where Christ is not denied? Yeah. But he is not. uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. In that song, he's clearly, I mean, I mentioned and man is man is the savior, right? Man mm-hmm. is the God. Man is is the is the point of everything. 
Um, but yeah, no, uh, many, many. Now this gets more into the cultural Christianity. Let's mm-hmm. play on the word here. You, we're, yeah. we're going yeah. the same yeah. direction. Yep. Because in the cultural Christianity, um, then you have you have you have a Christ. I'll call him. You don't have the Christ mm-hmm. because to to uh, to describe, define, or declare a Christ that's anything other than the Bible is to be is to is to not have Christ. Mm-hmm. It's a Christ. It's it's a it's a false depiction of the Son of God, but it's not the true one. It's like um, anything that we uh, demise or any 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 picture in our mind or any description of God that is not what the Bible says is an idol, mm-hmm. right? It's not the true God, and that's kind of what the first and second commandments are all about. Mm-hmm. And so often the God we worship is not the God of the Bible. It's the God of our own making. Mm-hmm. So it is with the Christ that we put in a lot of our songs mm-hmm. is not the Christ of the Bible. It's the Christ of our own making. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a wannabe Christ. It's a, it's a, it's a um, very cuddly Messiah mm-hmm. rather, rather than the eternal judge and creator of all the earth. So yes. So songs have a Christ in them, but they're they're almost always not the Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's a false Christ. It's a it's a demonic p- depiction of Christ. And but when they have them in there, even if he if he does carry with him in these songs some of the characteristics of of omnipotence and and omniscience and and even a sense of compassion and love, which is you know the underlining theme in any uh, modern uh, Christian song today. Um, what they'll have is Christ is here for you. Mm. That's the linchpin mm-hmm. on all the songs, on all the sermons, mm-hmm. on all the psychology and counseling that comes out of the modern mindset and the modern quote air quotes church. And it's instead of you being created and redeemed if you're a believer for christ Mm -hmm. right to serve him he's the master you're the servant Mm -hmm. you're the slave of christ to be an ambassador of christ so that you can ultimately glorify the father and that's what christ wants for you because christ ultimately loves the father most of all and he's bringing all of the all of the ones the father has given to him back to the father Mm -hmm. because it's all about pleasing the father even for christ he loves his own, but he loves his father most, mm-hmm. and that's what drives Christ in everything, as John 17 makes so clear. Mm-hmm. It's all about that, and uh, yet we twist it, and we make it all about us, mm-hmm. and so now Christ literally is my, go back to what you said a minute ago, he's he's the one standing in the Adidas outfit who's my butler. Mm. He's there standing, and he's there to serve me, so Christ is there to make me happy, wealthy, wise, and safe. Mm-hmm. That's that's the Christ in these songs, right? Well, that is not the Christ of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, however he's depicted in the song, it is anti of how he is undeniably defined and displayed in the Bible, because mm-hmm. it's anything but that. Mm-hmm. Will he help? Absolutely. Will he protect? Absolutely. He will redeem you. But all of that is done for the ultimate purpose of you becoming his slave, mm-hmm. which is a glorious and gracious and marvelous thing because he's a good master. Mm-hmm. But he's not here to serve us. Mm-hmm. We're here to serve him. And it's funny, like I brought those I brought those four white people up in the first part of that video because for me it it signified the 
uh, it, it's, it's trying to make the white people the bad guy and they're the servants. Yeah. It's, and it's the black. Role you know, reversal, right, and which and, is which is what the whole social justice movement is. It's the the oppressors now become the oppressed, and mm-hmm. they reverse. That's all it is. Right now, here's the thing: it's like when when and this is what the this is what I would say uh, the Christian church is now wanting yeah. to do. Uh, there are churches here in this area that will. Uh, that will literally combine and be in agreement with Islam, yeah. uh, with any Jewish, you know, rabbis or yeah. or Catholic priests. Have them in their pulpits. Have yep. them teaching their their their, their people. Um, and the reason behind that is because they are actually uh, coming together mm-hmm. and and forming because of the fact that they are oppressed. Yeah. So it'll be a black priest. It'll be. Is, is you know someone from like the nation of Islam? Mm-hmm. It'll be like a, a a Jew, and it's like, well, you are oppressed just like we are as black people. And I put you know how I am on this podcast. The the, the word black is in air quotes, um, but that is that's kind of like what it is. And it's really about the focus. Mm-hmm. The focus is on how I'm oppressed, how I am so put down, how I'm so beat down, and this is why. Uh, then the, you you mentioned it, but I want to like dig into what cultural Christianity is. Yeah. Um, because if you look at the civil rights movement, yep. the hub, yep. one of the biggest hubs was the the church. Yeah. The, the the quote unquote black church. Absolutely. The black church was the hub, and you know, uh, <laughs> and they were and I, and and brought it back to my memory. Um, you know, with the death of uh, John Lewis. Yeah. You know, um, how you know. It, with Martin Luther King being a pastor, um, you know, we'll, we'll come back to that if we, if we have to, but, uh, um, with him being literally grown up in seminary and, and, and brought up that way was a civil rights leader and the church was what was looked to. Yeah. In a way it was definitely cultural Christianity because you went to church because everybody else did. Yeah. Not because of your relationship with Christ. It It was traditional. It was the tradition That's it. of people like you don't like <laughs> you just went to church just yeah. because. Now, this was not just in the black community. Obviously. No, no. It wasn't driven by a truth claim or a truth conviction. Mm-hmm. It was driven by a traditional culture. Yeah. 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 And it for- that is cultural Christianity. Right. So it's it, it, again, the, the word that's on the front is always the word of emphasis. Right. Cultural Christianity. So it's more about the culture than it is Christianity. Right. So the, the the word on the front is always the driver mm-hmm. and the word on the back end is always the one who's the tail. It yeah. goes wherever wherever the driver goes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you say, you know, if I say I'm a white Christian, then it's all about my whiteness and I and my Christian my Christianity just gets attached yep. to my whiteness. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so if if I say, you know, cultural Christianity Christianity is just attached to my cultural convictions Mm -hmm. rather than Christianity becoming everything or better yet, even that can be confusing in in our day and age rather than Christ, as Paul said, being all in all, Mm -hmm. which is what it's all about. Now it's it's muddled and dissected. And uh, essentially, it goes back to what I've said many times. 
this reality of Christ becomes an addendum to your life mm-hmm. rather than all of your life. Yeah. Cultural and, Christianity is all about the addendums. Yes. Yep. Yes. Biblical Christianity is all about one thing and one thing alone, Christ, mm-hmm. period. Yep. Right? And so, and and your point that you made earlier about the um, uh, ecumenical nature of of our culture and the cultural Christianity where everybody comes together through some sort of shared experience, often victimhood, Mm -hmm. which is a huge part of black liberation theology. And we can talk about that later, Mm -hmm. right? That's what drives that. But cultural Christianity, it's the same way in different, in different ways. But, um, the, uh, the reality of, uh, biblical Christianity is, 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 is not that biblical Christianity is all about the exclusivity of Christ. Mm-hmm. There, there is only one unity, and that is Christ. Mm-hmm. He is the unifier, right? Mm-hmm. That's Galatians uh, 3.28, right? There's neither Jew nor the Greek. There's neither male nor female, barbarian, Scythian. We're all one, where? In Christ. Mm-hmm. All our unity comes with him. He is the linchpin, and it's all about that. And so there are not many faiths. There are not many ways. There's only one way. There's only one faith. There's only one Lord. There's only one baptism. There's only one gospel. And it all finds its centrality and sufficiency in one person, mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus Christ. And and that's John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. And no man comes to the Father except through Christ. Mm-hmm. He is in every way the eye of the needle. Mm-hmm. Right, it is small. It is tiny. It is. It is in every way, as Christ Himself said, "It's a narrow road. Mm-hmm. It's a narrow road that leads to heaven. Wide be the road that lead to hell, but narrow be the way. And it's tough. And there's one gate. There's one way. There's one road. Christ called Himself one door. Right, mm-hmm. and that's it. And that's that's the difference between cultural Christianity." And biblical Christianity, and there are many differences, but that's a massive one, is the exclusivity of Christ. It is him and him alone. And you can't twist that, you can't turn that, and you can't diminish that. When you start to diminish that for reasons of of, of ecumenical desires where we want to just kind of smooth things out so we can pull together, you have now stepped into cultural Christianity. So here is the irony of that. Uh, what you just said here's the irony i am a product of that the the civil rights movement cultural christianity being there yeah and then uh the church that comes out of that because of the pastor that was involved in that won't preach the true gospel Mm-mm. it'll pre- they'll preach a gospel that is very much watered down if it's gospel at all. Yeah. But then also uh, it is a unifying. Yeah. It's a unifying gospel, which the gospel culturally. is not unified. It culturally. Culturally. We, we're unified culturally because of our shared, uh, experience. our shared experiences yep. and, you know. Our inst- shared oppressions. Right. Instead of us. And here's the thing. I, I love how uh, Paul explains it in, uh, I want to say it's Philippians. I, I think I read Philippians all the way through this week. Um, so 
it was I want to share in the sufferings of Christ. Yeah, Philippians instead three. Of, instead of sharing in the sufferings of each other yeah. culturally, yeah. we're supposed to be sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Yeah, he's so, the unity. Right, he's the unity. So the solidarity is is in the Savior. Right. Yeah. Not not in what we have been, what we've gone through personally. Yeah. But it's literally a worldly wise man standing there in the way that's saying, you know what, all of you have had this same experience. You should go that way. Yep. And the wicked gate is that way. Yep. And it's like, don't you see it? Yeah. Don't you understand that if you are ever going to be unified in any way, it has to be under Christ only? Because That's if it. you're un- unified in some other way, then some other people may say, well, wait a minute. My struggle was more than yours. Yep. So with your struggle being more than mine, I get to go first. No, I get to go first because I'm a Jew. Yeah. And I am, I'm a Pharisee and I'm a scribe, so I know more than you. So I should go first. No, no, no. The black slave trade was the one that was worse. I should go first. And you're all like competing on who should go first. And now you just described intersectionality. That is exactly <laughs> what it is. It's, it's amazing how all this just comes right in order because it's yeah. like we're going from culture Christianity, literally going into uh, intersectionality. Yeah. Because I want to make sure, let's back up a bit. I want to make sure we define it as much as possible because I definitely tried to do a podcast where I sit down and I define some of these things. And I honestly could not because there's if you go and you you Google these things, you will find so many different angles. And they're all from like universities. Yeah. from, From papers that people have put online. Even when you go like to Britannica, like yep. they they don't have a clear definition of what this stuff means. Yeah, which is so ironic to me that you can't pin it down. I have a resource that actually it doesn't give all of them, but it gives a bunch of them, though culturally, quote unquote, or worldly by way of the academic world probably wouldn't accept the definitions. But I have a resource. Remind me later. I give it to you. That's helpful on that. Um, but. Um, but the issue isn't that resource is helpful, but the world doesn't follow that. The world follows what you're talking about. And I, I said it, I think maybe on the last podcast or before that these terms in many way are terms of art, not meant to be defined. Mm -hmm. They're in big, they're, they're purposely ambiguous to trap and to divide. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what's driving so much of this. And they they keep making up new terms and they, and the terms keep evolving in the Darwinistic sense in every way. And that's part and parcel of, of the system because they want it to be a mo- moving target so that you can't nail mm-hmm. it down. I used a term uh, this morning in my sermon that really summarizes what you just said. That is a, uh, a, for lack of a better word, a social justice term, though it's critiquing the social justice movement and they don't like it, but it's spot on. And it's called radical subjectivity. Mm-hmm. So where we would believe in, absolute objectivity mm-hmm. you know dealing with the word of god and really you know all truth is that is absolute in that sense of it is it is definable it is explicit it is unchanging it is um um in every way uh unmoving right you can anchor to it mm-hmm. two plus two is four it doesn't change it's not going to change next year next month you know that is a that is an absolute truth mm-hmm. that is empirically uh proven undeniably true right right god is the creator of all the earth that is un that is undeniable that is crystal clear mm-hmm. that is so but they don't believe in absolute truth absolute truth is dead but but that's that's postmodernism but it's even further than that they believe not in absolute truth but in radical subjectivity 
which is not only is there no such thing as as objectivity, objectivity is evil. And subjectivity now is the new truth, which is a total contradiction because subjectivity can't be truth because it's constantly changing and evolving and it's and it's and it's uh, totally experiential and and it's undefinable. And that's their system. And that's what is becoming in our world foundational to the uh, ideologies that drive schools academics, even high schools, elementary schools, and beyond. And that when we get to that point, when we embrace that as a culture, we're done. We're done. Let's, so can you, can you explain radical subjectivity, um, for, for, for the people that may not understand everything you just said? Yeah. So essentially radical subjectivity is, is not only is there not absolute truth, but and not only is there multiple truths to one thing, which is radical, right? Mm-hmm. There's truth and like, error. Like someone would say, that's my truth, yes. that's your truth. Yes. So that's undeniable. That's postmodernism. But now radical subjectivity says, says, not only is it my truth, but you can prove my truth wrong. Like you can objectively mm-hmm. prove my truth wrong and you are still wrong. That's radical subjectivity. So where you can't critique me, you can't prove me wrong, and any time you do, it just proves that you're part of the oppression because you are you are taking your objectivity and now you're demeaning my subjectivity. And, so okay, and, and so it's radical because it becomes the new objectivity. <laughs> it's so confusing, but that's so it becomes the new truth, meaning whatever I want my truth to be. That becomes the truth, not just for me, but for you. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it radical. So before it was, this is my truth, and you have your truth. That's postmodernism, right? Mm-hmm. We've heard that, you know, for the last fifteen years, and that was kind of everybody was happy with that. Now it's no longer that. You can't even have your truth. It's my truth, and if you deny my truth, then not you're not only an error, but you're part of the problem. That's radical subjectivity. Okay, so let me put it. Let's 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 do an example real quick. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy, and I want people to understand how crazy it is. Yeah. So, let's 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 this is this this is an example. Please understand and hear this disclaimer. <laughs> so, uh, um, so I'm a black guy, right? Yes. You're a white guy. You, I'm telling you that you are part of a bigger system. Yep. Like the lyrics of the song said, you're, yep. you're part of something bigger. Yep. And you are a part of the oppressor. Yep. Now you tell me, look, man, I'm not a part of the oppressor. Yep. I am, or the oppression. Yeah. Uh, I am, I, I don't, I'm not a racist. I don't subscribe to any type of teachings that are racist. I believe in scripture. And I am definitely, I definitely love you as a person, no matter what color you are. My response to you under the the example of radical subjectivity is, well, you just proved to me that you're a part of the oppression because you don't know that you are racist because you are white. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a good, is that a good example? That's that's part of it. And it it could go even further than that. Okay. So so radical subjectivity isn't even content with just pointing out like Robin D'Angelo does in her book White Fragility which is a which is where so much of this comes from but what you described is what she 
uh, she's the queen of of uh, critical theory and uh, social justice, and she kind of disseminates what you just described and the world is embracing. But it goes further than that. Radical subjectivity even says not only that, you know, you've proven that you're a racist by by not agreeing with me, mm-hmm. right? It goes further. Th- it goes even further than that and says you must, you must agree with me, or now you have become the enemy. So it's wow. not enough to say it's not enough for uh, for for radical subjectivity is not content with you just being deceived, right? So that's kind of what you just said. You said, well, you're just deceived. You don't know it yet. You're not woke. So mm-hmm. radical subjectivity isn't content with you not being woke. Radical subjectivity goes even further and says, you're not only not woke, but you're the enemy now, and it's my job to take you out. Mm. It's just, it's like, what are you, what are you talking about? This is crazy. But that's that's where we're going. And so what it does, it does it kills when you deny absolute truth and then you elevate radical subjectivity. Here's what happens. We no longer can communicate. We can't discuss. We can't uh, we can't critique one another. We can't help one another. We can't even converse. We're done. And that's kind of the that's that's the plan, right? It's to shut the whole thing down, and it's it's I, it's I just, crazy. I just had a light bulb. Yeah, I just had a light bulb, and and here's my light bulb, my light bulb moment. Um, <laughs> that could this be compared to? And I, and I love their cinnamon rolls, the Amish. Yeah, because if we and there's a small comparison because if if the bible is absolute truth you don't believe that you are a sinner because you haven't been woke yet yeah you know holy spirit the holy spirit hasn't god hasn't awakened you to 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 understand it you are the part of the problem and i can't talk to you can i can i make that comparison yeah but it's even more than that right now now it's it's not only that you can't talk to me but now it's your job to oppress me right because now i am the enemy until i submit and become part of or an ally until i come Mm. and become part of your system and agree to it now yeah that's now you see it goes it goes further it's not passive it's not passive so i get what you're saying in amish you know not not to not to downplay that but that's a that's a passive they would respond and just say okay you don't get it i'm gonna go over here and do my thing right but radical subjectivity and in in its belief system is radical like it's not content to just say well that's your truth and it's my truth and we're gonna divide and go our own way no no there's my truth and there's only my truth and if you don't embrace it you not only show that you don't get it but you are now an enemy and i am here to take you out or make you believe which will it be yeah, and see, I can I can see how they would put that on Christians. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Like, no, like you have your truth. I have my truth was what they were talking about. Yeah. But now you need to call me by my pronoun. Exactly. And, and accept it or not. But at the same time, as a Christian church, someone can say, well, since you don't accept it, you know, you're the enemy as That's well. It. And you need to, to bow and everything like That's that. It. That's it. Now. That's where that's where the rub comes in because it's like okay, what are you focusing on? 
are you focusing on what Christ focused on? Are you focusing on what you're focusing well, on? It's yeah, absolutely. It goes back to where's your where's your source of truth? Mm-hmm. Because everybody has one. Even even the radical uh, subjectivity promoters who deny truth, they absolutely believe in truth. They believe in their truth. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody does, even those that deny it or or else you don't talk. You don't live. Right. Everybody mm-hmm. believes in truth and you prove it by getting up and out of the bed and putting your key in your car and mm-hmm. everything we do. And so it all comes down to there's really only two sources of truth. There's man and God. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to. And so, uh, yeah, most people in this world put find their truth source in man. Proverbs 3, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight, mm-hmm. right? It's Psalm 19, 7 11. It's God's word is true. It enlightens the eyes. It confronts the heart. It strengthens the, 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 the life. It brings joy to the soul. God's word, every word, Proverbs 30, verse 5, proves true. It is undeniable. It is absolute. It is the one that confronts, rebukes, equips and trains the man that he might be thoroughly mature for every good work. It's only God's word, not man's word. Man's word is deficient because his heart is deceived and his mind is darkened and his will is enslaved. And so, yeah, that's what it comes down to, your focus. And that's always been the issue. And the unbelievers focus on himself and on man. Romans 1, he denies the uh, creator and he worships the creature, right? I.e. himself. And he lives for himself. And the believer is redeemed and re- and uh, born again, regenerate by the Lord Jesus Christ, by God himself. And he now what? Turns and follows God and submits to God and trusts in God and understands God's word and follows that. And that's, I mean, that's the two roads. That's the two mm-hmm. people. That's the two choices. That's what it comes down to. So it really is, it is, where is your source of truth and where are you going to bank your, your authority in is it going to be in yourself or is it going to be in God? Every atheist ultimately trusts himself. Mm-hmm. He is the ultimate source, right? Every atheist I've ever talked to, and I've ultimately kind of gotten to a point where I ask them, you know, what what are you ultimately trusting in? And it and they will say, I'm trusting in my own intellect. I'm trusting in my own ability to to discern right and wrong and figure this out. And so they are their ultimate source of truth. And uh, which, again, Scripture is clear. Don't trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Your heart is desperately wicked. Trust the Lord. And so, yeah, that's that's what it comes down to. Now, you were alluding to this earlier, um, and we probably got ahead of ourselves, but that's that's why this podcast is so much fun, Yeah, is defining terms is huge. And mm-hmm. there's a term that we've used a bunch that is hard to define, and I would dare say most people can't define it, and that is culture. That's true. Yeah. If you well, yeah. if you had a bunch of people in a room and you asked them to define culture, I bet you they would all define it wrong. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I I I'm confident I'm confident I'm not. When you when you ask people to define culture, what comes out of their mouth is not what you expect. And what comes out is very diverse from one to another. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is a very it is a very uh difficult concept to define and describe with unity and yeah. and yet it is a term we throw around all the time and when we're using it even we i.e myself we generally don't take time to define it 
or explain it in context. And especially when we're speaking with other people and oftentimes we have two or three different things we're saying. Yeah. And that's why conversations are so often pointless because what we're saying is, is totally different. So, all right. <laughs> so so going back it, to cultural Christianity, well, yeah, you got to define what is cultural. Well, yeah, what does that mean? So what I did was I just put it into Google real quick mm-hmm. and you can actually filter the definition by topic yeah. all or biology or horticultural. Yeah. So it's like, okay, there's more than that. One, we can talk about what it is, but one definition is the customs, arts, yep. social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or other social groups. Yeah. So the example that they have is Caribbean culture. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh, the other one is obviously cultures, which yeah. is, you know, like a my me making uh my uh uh what's it called good grief my scoby yep which makes uh kombucha but your petri dish yeah yeah basically <laughs> the masks are petri dish yeah. well we we won't talk about that uh the art and the arts and other manifestations of human intellectual achievement regarded yeah. collectively yeah that is that what i would expect to see I was expecting to see something, and actually the only one was the the first one, excuse me, that I read really going towards a social group. Yep. So, yeah, so that's part of it, for mm-hmm. sure, right? That we're to, where it's a, a grouping of people, a collection of people that have a shared ideal, shared a shared, um, um, not just experience, though that would be how most people would define it today, or that would be part of it, but it's more of a shared conviction. Right. Hmm. And which is which is really what drives a culture. Right. You have uh, and and this is where it gets really, really difficult to nail down because there's so many facets to a culture. There's dress. There's Mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. Right. There's uh, economy. There's style by way of uh, style, by way of there's food. Mm -hmm. Right. Food itself is part of (laughs) culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is such a broad topic and such a. uh, you know, uh, almost, almost undefinable topic at times, though it can be defined, but it's so big and massive, it's hard to get your arms around it. Yet we throw it around like, you know, we all know what we're talking about. And it's like, so what do you mean by that? Right? Well, you know, it's funny because, I mean, if you look at it with, and let's get back to the topic, obviously, that we, of the podcast, trying to insert Jesus into culture is completely is is not a good thing to do. Well, and I say that because like and I I'm not saying it in a way of I'm not saying definitely not saying don't preach the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. But what people churches try yeah. to do is they try to insert Jesus into the culture and yes. say, you know, we're we're going to put the church into the culture. We're going to and, and like you were saying earlier in your sermon, how they will dress like the world and they will yep. sing songs similar to the they world. They want to save the culture. Mm-hmm. They're they saving to, the culture. They want to say, really, salvation in Christ is there to preserve. Mm-hmm. I've heard this from missionaries, actually. Very disheartening, where they will talk about a. Um, I actually, when I interview missionaries and talk about this, is one of the questions I ask them. I ask them quite a few questions about culture because you can get to the heart of the missionary pretty quickly when you when you ask them to not only define culture but ask them how does the gospel uh, correspond to 
this culture you're going over to uh, essentially assimilate with and inundate with mm-hmm. the truth. Like what, what is, what, what, how does culture and gospel work out? You ask a missionary that you can, I can tell you in, in minutes where they are theologically, mm-hmm. where they are even methodologically, because in missions for years now, culture has really, um, really become a tradition. It's, it's almost become this thing where it's almost, um, successful as a missionary if you can take the gospel to them but not mess with their culture Mm. where it's like you you bring this gospel but it's not going to change their culture it's not going to change you know uh, all these aspects about who they are but reality is the gospel is going to change their culture it it will change their culture not Mm -hmm. not in its entirety right Mm -hmm. it shouldn't change their food Right. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't change their dress. Right. Those things, again, if it does, now we're raising Pharisees and legalists. Mm-hmm. Right. But there are so many facets of culture that are that are need to be redeemed. Mm-hmm. Right. In the sense of they need to be transformed because so much of culture is driven by the depravity of man. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, the way we idolize things and and uh, even how we work and where we invest our time and money, which helps develop a culture because cultures change. Mm-hmm. Cultures change all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Depending on on the, the, the society and where it's going. Our culture is is going through a massive shift right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. A huge a cosmic shift. Mm-hmm. And in the next five years, it could be a totally different culture, mm-hmm. and uh, that would not be good. And yet, what will what will preserve our culture from going into darkness versus light? It's the gospel, mm-hmm. right? And so, to say that cultures shouldn't be messed with and shouldn't be, uh, for lack of a better word, redeemed in the sense of reformed is how I'm using that, mm-hmm. um, elevated reevaluated, revitalized, or however you want to think about it, um, is, is, uh, you know, you take, you take like a, um, uh, a Brazilian culture, right? So you take like a native culture. There's, that's a good one. Use that more. And that could be native Indian. That could be native Brazilian, mm-hmm. the guy who's a bone in the nose and he's living out in the Amazon mm-hmm. or the native American who's an animist, right? And he's, worshiping you know all the kinds sun. of spirits and whatever right like, yeah. like astro 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 astrolatry astrolatry yeah. yeah where you're worshiping like the the stars yeah. and all those yeah things. all that yeah and mm-hmm. and then he's you know animism he's work, worshiping the animals mm-hmm. right elevating animals and all kinds of all kinds of nonsense whatever well man there's all kinds of stuff in those cultures in that culture that needs to be reformed mm-hmm. right that will be changed mm-hmm. that will be changed you take the guy in in the brazilian culture and and he's running around naked right mm-hmm. and it's like that guy gets redeemed guess what's going to happen he's going to start putting clothes on mm-hmm. yep why because the holy spirit's going to convict him he's going to read yep. <laughs> genesis and ex- like ex- wait a minute god made them clothes exactly oh. cuz nakedness in the scripture is 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 the reality of shame mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that's that's why the clothes were given right right to deal with their shame mm-hmm. right and uh 
And you see nakedness in the Bible, apart from, of course, the marriage bit, and there is nothing good about it mm. because it's the it's the revelation of our shame, mm-hmm. and uh, and so. But again, cultures elevate nakedness to mm. where to where there's there's it's it's shameless. Yeah, that's a part of culture mm-hmm. that our culture is embracing more and more. Yeah, right. And uh, and so that needs to be changed. Well, how does that change? That's changed through the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's aspects, many aspects of culture that are, you could even say, are neutral or 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 um, uh, amoral. But uh, the reality is, there are so many facets of culture that are driven by depravity and sin, and uh, those things absolutely will be will be reformed mm-hmm. by the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so, while there is. Uh, beauty and culture and there is diversity and we should in every way you know let that thrive and it will thrive we don't have to let it it will because we are diverse as human beings and made in the image of god and and so that will always be but uh, there are so many aspects of it that need to go away that need to be redeemed and the only way that will happen is through the gospel Mm. one life at a time right gospel doesn't change a culture the gospel changes the people who make the culture Mm -hmm. that's the issue Mm -hmm. right and uh, so yeah so cultural christianity it's it's issue at the end of the day is it seeks to take christianity or to be more specific and to be more accurate it seeks to take the gospel and form it to the culture, mm-hmm. right? So it's the culture that is the ultimate source. It's the ultimate authority. The culture's not going to change, but the gospel will. So like Plato in the hands of a, of a child, he's going to form that Plato into whatever object he's messing with. Well, the gospel is Plato, and so it's formed, and the culture is the cookie cutter, right? The heart. Yeah. And so rather than it being the other way around, Mm-hmm. Where the culture is to be formed into the into the pattern of the gospel, right? And that's what should be happening. And of course, that happens really on its own as the as the believers get saved and they infiltrate a culture, not as the culture, but as Christians. Mm-hmm. And that's what essentially what is meant by uh, be uh, in the world but not of the world, mm-hmm. right? You're taking, you're assaulting the world with holiness and godliness and Christ-likeness, and in so doing, you become salt and light, and salt, you know, um, salt and light, that's what they do. They change things, mm-hmm. they preserve things, mm-hmm. they reform things, they elevate things, and that's what happens. But cultural Christianity totally flips it. Like I said this morning in the sermon, and and the seeker-sensitive in the modern church movement, it's always trying to bring Christianity, um, better you not bring it, form Christianity to where it fits into the culture. That's a social justice movement. That's what it's all about. Hmm. This whole thing is about that. But, you know, it's funny. When you say that, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, how there are people that will use Christianity um, as a as a not as changing the individual, but changing the culture. Yeah, so let me give you a biblical example of this that's, I think, pretty powerful mm-hmm. and very, because of who it is, as well as even how it connects with the social justice, racial divide. And it's um, uh, Paul and Peter, right? So when Paul confronts Peter in Galatians 2 for Peter um, in his... Uh, in his uh, how shall we say, duplicity, 
when he was uh, essentially sitting uh, and conversing and, for lack of a better word, hanging with the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And then the Jews come into town and Peter backs off and doesn't want to be seen conversing with the Gentiles, but wants to be hanging with the Jews, right? Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't want the Jews coming into town to see this. And and Paul goes and confronts him to his face. I mean, that's I'll, I'll read it, and because I think it's, I think it's, um, it's helpful here because not only is it a cultural issue that that Paul is addressing that Peter was being confused about, but it's also um, in many ways touches on the on the racial lines as as well. Um, mm. Galatians, I think it's in Galatians two. I said, let me see here. Let me get my glasses on. Forgive me. Um, I think I think yeah. we're doing we're saying two separate points, but I want to hear this one. Yeah, no. Well, I just think it's it's an illustration. Mm-hmm. Here it is, verse. Yep, chapter two, verse eleven. But when Cephas Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him face to face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, that is Jews, he was eating with Gentiles. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here you have the racial divide between Gentiles and Jews and Peter being a Jew, but he's he's hanging with Gentiles because there's nothing unclean now. He learned that lesson pretty uh, seriously. Mm-hmm. And uh, But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party, the Judaizers. And uh, the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So basically what, what Paul is saying is is watching Peter and then all these other men around him, they all started to do this. They started to create, right? Are you ready? They started to create a social divide within the church. Mm. You had the Gentiles and the Jews. Rather than eating together as one family, we're one body. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter ethnically who you are. You are truly a Gentile and a Jew. Your ethnicity has not changed. This is who you are externally, but internally, we are one in Christ. Mm-hmm. And and. And that should be our unity, and that should be our solidarity no matter what. And it shouldn't matter who comes in the door. This is who we are. Mm. Well, the Judaizers come in, and what does Peter do? Whoa. You know, that's the spot for the Gentiles. Mm. That's where the black people go, and this is where the white people go. Mm. That's exactly what he's saying here. And mm-hmm. Paul says, what are you guys doing? Right. And I love the language. I confronted him to his face. He mm-hmm. was condemned. Mm-hmm. And Peter says, no, no, we're not doing that. And look at what he says. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. There it is. The gospel here. I mean, he's dealing with saved men. He's dealing with an apostle, a fellow apostle, Mm. as well as other fellow slaves of Christ who are declared in Scripture to be faithful men. And what does Paul go to? He goes to the gospel, Mm -hmm. not as a point of salvation. These men are saved, but as a point of unity, unity with diversity. And he says, yeah, this is this is what this is what brings it. And I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live 
like Jews. And it's like, don't try to force people into your mold. Mm -hmm. There it is, mm -hmm. right? So that's the that's the cultural thing. Don't try to make take your culture and make the Gentiles fit into it, mm -hmm. just like they're not trying to make you fit your culture into them, mm -hmm. right? It's not about that. Mm -hmm. It's about the gospel that has become, if you if you will, using the term, you know, hyperbolically, that has become our culture. Right. That has become our unity. That's good. Uh, well, we have to uh, uh, end the discussion here. We're just going to come right back uh, next time and talk about this. But as always, what we do at the end of the Truth Talks podcast is that we uh, give a gospel message. So, Walt, if you could. All right. So God created and owns everything. He is perfectly holy and requires perfect obedience to his law. Psalm 24 and Matthew 5. Uh, Jesus Christ is both God and sinless man. He alone has paid the penalty for sin by his life, death, and resurrection. John 1.1 1, 1 and 14 and 2 Corinthians 5.21. Uh, man, uh, all people have broken God's law and deserve eternal punishment in hell, and we are unable to save ourselves by good works. Romans 3.10, and James 2.10. So what is man's response? God commands us to turn from our sins, to trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and acknowledge his right to rule in our lives. Romans 10, 9 and Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Amen. So that's what it is. It's a response. And today, what is your response? Uh, thank you all for tuning in to Truth Talks podcast. Uh, we are delighted that you are coming and listening to our podcast. It's definitely a joy. And we will be back next time with more. And thanks for listening. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at The Truth Talks Podcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.